Sometimes just okay is most definitely not good enough. Especially if you need surgery and it's a life or death thing and your doctor comes in and says, ah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> no, 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 you're supposed to have it all figured out before we ever put me under. Like, don't ever do that. So sometimes you don't want just okay. Like, just okay is most definitely not good enough. You need something, like, good. And I learned the lesson that just okay is not good enough pretty early on in life. I was six, okay? And I had a bike. It was my first bike I ever had, and I, I loved this bike. It was a nice bike. You know, I, I'd, I'd be in my backyard just biking around. And, and just some context, you know, I'm not actually from here. Uh, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And maybe if you're from Florida, you don't fully know this, but like this blew my mind, okay? Sometimes the ground isn't flat all the way around, okay? Sometimes it like grows and like goes down. And this is what we call a hill, okay? And they, they can be of ranging sizes, you know? They can be small to quite, quite large. Well, my house was on the top of a hill. It was about 15 feet. And our driveway was 45 degree angle. It was pretty steep, okay? My house was like on the top of a hill. And I loved this bike. I loved my house. I loved everything. And one day, my sister, who is three years older than me, she comes up to me and she's like, Drew, Drew, okay, okay. Story time, story time. I got the best idea ever. It's gonna blow your mind, okay? Check this out, check this out. I get my bike, you get your bike, and if you stand at the top of our driveway, you see like how the sidewalk looks like a ramp? So here's what we're gonna do, okay? This is gonna blow my mind, okay? We're gonna go down this thing, we're gonna hit this ramp, we're gonna jump over the street, it's gonna be the best thing ever. And me, as a six-year-old who is very, very wise, said, yes, let's do that. So we get our bikes, we're at the top of this hill, and you know usually how you're about to do something bad and you get like a sinking feeling in your stomach? Yeah, I didn't have that at all, okay? I was, I was fully committed. I was going at this. So I looked at my wife. I looked at my sister. She's not my wife. Woo, that would be weird. I, I looked at my sister. She looked at me. She gives me a nod. I give her a nod. I'm like, okay, let's go. Three, two, one. And we start going down, and man, it's incredible. I'm having so much fun. I turn to my right, and she's not there. And I'm like, wait, what? So I, I turned back, and what she did is she started to go, and then she used her right hand and uh, clicked on the brake and then turned off to the right. So me, being a good brother, was like, okay, I'll do the same thing. So I get my right hand, and I start grabbing it, and I'm not slowing down. And I found out that day that my bike had no brakes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. I started going full speed. I'm going 1,000 miles per hour to hit this curb to my doom, okay? And I hit this curb so hard, I flew off the bike, and I'm in midair, I'm flying like an eagle, and in my mind, that song, I believe I can fly, is just going through my head. The problem about that song is that it ends at some point. And my flying ended when I hit the ground so hard, my shoes flew off, okay? There was blood everywhere, and my sister, who, you know, okay, look, I, I love my sister. I've looked up to her for a long time in my life. And my sister, who, who, mind you, convinced me to do this, leaves me bloody in the street, screaming. What are you doing? Your brother's dying in the street and you're just going to go run off like that? Come on. 
Now, I would tell you, like, you know, I got helped, but I actually don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> Brain injuries, you know how that happens. So, but I mean, obviously I'm fine, because I'm right here. You know, I'm alive, and I'm not too messed up. Uh, so there was, that day, I learned a very important lesson. A bike without brakes is just okay, for the most part. Until you're going down a hill at 1,000 miles per hour, you hit a curb, you fly, and you almost break your head open. Then it's most definitely like, not okay at all. So the bike's okay, it's just not good enough. And there are some things in life that are just okay, but it's most, they're most definitely not good enough. What happens when your life goes from just okay to now it's, it's crashing and you sense it coming and you know something's about to happen and you're anxious and you're nervous and you don't even know how you got here and you don't know what to do next? What happens then? So we're going to find that out today, and our scripture today is going to be in Genesis 25, 23 through 26. Now, I just need to give some quick background before I, I get started here, okay? The Bible will tell us stories about things to do, and sometimes it does that by giving us stories of people that did it wrong, okay? There are ways to go for blessings in your life, and we're about to hear a story of someone that did it the wrong way. So don't do what this guy did. Really, really bad. So to give some context, Abraham was called by God to leave his country, and to move to a new country. And God promised him to be the father of many nations. Now, that sounds weird to us now, because why would you want to be the father of many nations? Like, it doesn't make sense in our 21st century head. But back then, in ancient antiquity, this was one of the greatest things that you could promise to somebody. To be, a, to, to be the father of a nation, just one nation, it means that your kids are strong enough, that they're smart enough, and that nothing can stop your children from becoming greater than the sum of their parts into something that is beyond words. To be a nation is a big deal. To be the father of many nations? Like, that is the promise of promises. And God gives that. So Abraham has, has a wife named Sarah, and they have a kid named Isaac. And then when Isaac's of age... He, Abraham gives the birthright to Isaac. Now, this, this is the important part of the story, okay? Because if you don't understand the birthright, you won't understand this culture or anything else that happens. The birthright is like inheritance in this day and age, but it is way, way better, okay? You get your father's money. You get his land. You get his servants. You get his business. You also get every single thing he owns, and you have favor from the community, and you have favor from God. And every blessing that the Father have, you have now. It is the biggest deal. The birthright is so important in this day and age that if you have it, you're practically set for life. If you don't have it, you'll be struggling to barely catch up to someone that does. It is such a big deal that people would fight and kill for it. So this is a big deal, okay? And it always went to the firstborn son. Not, not the firstborn daughter, not the secondborn son, the firstborn son. So, Abraham gives this birthright to Isaac, and Isaac now has the blessing that Abraham had. He's going to be a co-father of many nations. And he goes and finds a wife named Rebecca, and they love each other. They get married, and then Rebecca has two twins. But in her stomach, they start to wrestle, and she's actually nervous because she's like, okay, maybe there's something wrong. So she prays to God, and God answers her in this in verse 23. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. 
And when the time gave, came for Rebecca to give birth, she discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau, which means hairy. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Now, uh, slight context too, Jacob means heel or deceiver. What a great name. What's your name, liar? <laughs> I'm never telling you anything about me at all. From the very moment that Jacob was born, he was grasping at a life that was not his. In fact, it's, it's kind of weird. He stole Esau's birthright. So let me ask you a question, why? Why did he steal the birthright? Because in verse 23, it says that uh, the, older, the older son will rule under the younger son. It's a foregone conclusion by God that the younger son's gonna be greater, so why does he need a birthright? It's already written in stone. It's already God's plan. So what's the point of him stealing the birthright? He doesn't even need that in the first place. It, that's Esau's blessing. Why does he need that? He's already committed. He's already blessed. He already has something that Esau doesn't have. And when time comes, he's going to be greater than Esau. So why does he need a birthright? What's the point? The point is this. Jacob was forcing a blessing from God that was not yet his. Jacob was forcing something from God that was not yet his. And you're, you're going to see this. Uh, in verse 20, uh, in chapter 27, uh, he goes and Isaac is of old age. He's blind. He uh, can't really see well. So he tells Esau, hey, look, uh, I'm going to give you the birthright. So go hunt the way that you hunt. Make the food the way that you would make the food. And then I will give you my blessing once I eat it. And his wife overhears this. And his wife tells Jacob, we're going to do the exact same thing. So as Esau is gone, his wife prepares the food the way Esau would. And Jacob covers himself in hair so that when, e when Isaac comes and feels for him, he feels hair and thinks it's Esau. And Isaac mistakes Jacob for Esau and gives Jacob Esau's blessing. Jacob became someone else to steal something that wasn't his. And he had no right to steal it. But he chose to. Because he was so focused on getting a blessing right now. He was so focused on getting what God had for him right now. In actuality, the funny thing is that he was forcing something that God already gave him. How many of you today are forcing something that God already gave you? Maybe it's your salvation. Maybe you were saved by grace through faith. But now you're worried that if you mess up at all, God's somehow not going to love you anymore. That's not biblical. Maybe you fell in love with your spouse and you guys love each other dearly, but somehow, somewhere in your mind, it's changed where if you happen to do the wrong thing, she won't love you anymore. That's not what you promised. Are you trying to force something that's already given to you? Are you trying to force God's hand when he's very willing to give you what you need? Jacob became someone else to steal something that wasn't his. Now, just because God has called you to something, just because God has given you a blessing, doesn't necessarily mean it's for right now. And oftentimes when he gives us a blessing, it is most definitely for not right now, because we're not ready. So my first point is this. God will bless you in his timing, not yours. <sighs> Let me tell you, that is hard. Okay, that's hard for me. 
But it's secondly hard because it's so countercultural to everything we know. Our culture constantly tells us, you do what is yours. You do your grind. You work hard. You do your best. You need to get that promotion even if you backstab everybody else. And you go at it at full cost. And once you get there, one day from your own talent, from your own grit, from your own like, ability, then you'll arrive. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works like this. You're blessed. God gives you a blessing, and he tells you to wait and be faithful right now and let him give it to you. And that's hard, man, because sometimes I, like, know what God has for me. I'm just, like, so ready to go for it, especially because I, like, have a lot of energy already. So you can imagine I'm kind of controlling with when God gives me something. I just want to go for it right now. And oftentimes it's just saying, can you trust me? Can you trust me? So I found this out a couple years ago. Now, humor me for a second, okay? When I was younger, yes, I can be younger, I know, shocker, I'm 23 now. When I was 19, I loved the idea of marriage. I thought it was the best thing ever, like, oh, you get to get married and have kids, and yeah, I want to do that. I loved it so much that I would try to get married to somebody that didn't want to get married to me. Yeah. I loved it so much, I bought a ring for her two weeks after she broke up with me. Yeah. And let me tell you, okay, if you don't question God beforehand, you definitely question God when that happens. <laughs> but here's one thing I realized. I was so focused on getting what I wanted in my time that I had no idea. I wasn't even paying attention to the signs that she wasn't good for you. You're not ready. This isn't a good thing. I was so focused on I'm getting what I want right now that it hurt me in the long run. Church, please listen to me. A good thing in the wrong time leads to some of the worst consequences you can imagine. A good thing, wrong time, bad stuff. It's not worth it. In fact, some of the worst pain that you'll have in your life is just doing things out of order. Man, I've had that experience. I, I bet some of you have. Let's not be that way. Let's not be that way. Marriage isn't bad. Sex isn't bad. Money isn't bad. Marriage at the wrong time, horrible. Sex at the wrong time, when you're not ready, horrible. Money, when you can't handle it, horrible. Because those stuff, which was meant to be good things in God's eyes, will ruin you and destroy you faster than you can blink if you're not ready for it. And God knows that. So sometimes he doesn't give us the stuff immediately. God doesn't always bless us immediately because sometimes we're not ready for it. And it takes some real strength, it takes some courage to say, I'm not ready. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And I love how it says that because honestly, waiting for the Lord, it takes like a lot of bravery and a lot of courage. Because sometimes waiting for the Lord involves waiting when no one else is telling you to wait. Everyone's telling you to move forward. Sometimes waiting for the Lord, everything is going wrong. Like, you've ever had one of those moments where literally everything breaks apart, where literally everything is broken down, where every friendship you have is just, like, sucking you dry? And God's just telling you to wait patiently, wait patiently. So I love how it says, be brave and courageous, because it takes bravery and courage to wait when it seems like you shouldn't. It takes bravery and courage to trust God, knowing that he's given you something, but just waiting for that to come in his timing and to not force it. That's real courage. That's real strength. That's real bravery. Is that you today? 
Is that you? Jacob got his blessing, but the amount of pain that he went through was far worse than if he just waited. Because immediately, once he stole Esau's blessing, the very first thing that Esau did, he tried to kill him. So now Jacob has to flee. Now his family's broken apart. Is that God's best? No. God's best was not for Jacob to lose his brother and be apart from his family. Jacob's dad died without him. Is that God's best? But because he tried to take something at the wrong time, thinking that he had all the moxie, all the power, all the stuff, all the gusto to get this at the right time, which is his, totally ignoring what God had for him, he caused himself way more pain than he expected. Charles Spurgeon, a great theologian, said this, good men have gone very wrong when they have thought of aiding in the fulfillment of promises and prophecies. See how Rebecca erred in trying to get the promised blessing for Jacob. We had better leave the Lord's decrees in the Lord's hands. We had better leave the Lord's decrees in the Lord's hands. And man, that is so hard. And it's so hard when you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting, trusting God, waiting for the timing, waiting for the timing and setback after setback and nothing's happening. And you seem to be worse off than you were when you started. And oftentimes you'll start questioning, like, did God even call me here? Is this really God's best? So my second point is this. Remember that you have a blessing. Because let me tell you this, when you actually go through a battle, I guarantee you, maybe at one point in your life, you'll experience doubt. One of the greatest people that Jesus said had believed in him so much was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist directly asked Jesus, are you even the Messiah? He doubted. But it's not the doubt that's the bad thing, it's what you do with it. Let me give you another example. Jeremiah. Man, if, if there's anyone that could have doubted his plan, it was most definitely Jeremiah. Why? Let me, let me say it like this. Jeremiah, for 20 years, was called to tell the people of Israel, you are getting enslaved. And for 20 years, no one listened to him. I have a hard time doing the same thing for a day straight, let alone 20 years. And for 20 years, he's going out. And in fact... It says in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God called him to do this. This was God's plan. And not only are they not listening to him, they start beating him up. They burn his house down and they jail him multiple times. I don't care how much faith you have. If you were in that situation for 20 years and you didn't see any improvement at all, you definitely doubt. Lord knows I've doubted in way less. And you can almost see him in the jail cell. He's just sitting there like, God, is this really your best for me? Did you even call me? Because last time I saw, like, I had things good. And then you called me here. And now everything's wrong. But I want you to understand this. Almost every good thing that will come out of your life will come through a battle. Almost every good blessing that you'll get will come through some hard struggle. Okay? Any single thing that's good comes through a struggle. So when you're hurting and when you're going through a valley, don't just give up because God is still there. The fact that he hasn't answered your prayer yet does not mean that he has left you. It does not mean that he has left you. Sometimes he actually defers blessing because he loves us so much. If you don't know who you are, you will start to act and believe that you are lacking when God's provided everything you need. God's giving you everything you need. 
He's put you in this situation because it's what you need. But if you don't see it that way, if you see it as a struggle, another hurdle, because God hates you so much, then you're going to miss the point of the whole season. And you might have to redo it. Let that not be us. I don't want our church to be so focused on every bad thing that we lose out on every good thing, because that's what happened to Jacob. Like, let's be honest, Jacob had a pretty good life. He had a great family. He had great assets. He had great parents. His parents loved him. He had a great brother. They had some fights every once in a while, but it was a good family. And even if he didn't have the birthright, he would still be pretty well set up, and he had a blessing that was completely different than Esau and technically greater than Esau. But the reason why he took it is because he was so focused on the one thing that he didn't have and so focused on everything that he didn't have. Let me say that again. He was so focused on the one thing that he didn't have and forgot everything he had. He had so many good things, but he didn't have Esau's blessing. He had everything greater than Esau, didn't have Esau's blessing. How many of us are acting like that today? We're so focused that our friends got what we wanted, and we're getting so angry at them. When God's just here like, I've given you everything that you've wanted before, and you're incredibly fine now, why are you taking what I gave someone else as a personal offense to you? So my third point is this. The blessings of others does not devalue your blessing. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Sometimes God won't give you something because he loves you so much and he knows that you can't take it right now. Let me, let me give a quick example of this, okay? I, before I worked at this church, I worked at a church of three to 5,000, and I loved this church. I was an intern there, and I didn't get paid much, but I literally didn't care because I loved working there, and I did everything, and one day, I, I, one of my dreams, the moment I started working there, I wanted to preach on the main stage. I felt like God called me to do it, and the reason why is because I believed I was going to be in ministry, so, I mean, if anywhere... If you were going to get started anywhere in ministry, it had to be this main stage. This main stage, you not only preach the three to 5,000, but the, the sermon would be uh, televised all across the world to 95 countries. If anyone's going to start, it's this stage. And I was working my butt off. This is it. I'm going to do this. And one day, my youth pastor calls me into, my, into his office, and I'm walking in there like, I got this. This is good stuff. I'm ready to show him everything I've done well. And he sits me down. He's like, hey, so I got an opportunity to preach on the main stage. I'm going to take someone up there. And my spine stiffens up. I'm like, I mean, who else are you going to choose? Like, this guy right here. And he looks at me, and he's like, we're going to choose a student. (laughs) What? We are choosing a 17-year-old student. I wish I could say that I tried hiding my emotions, but I really didn't. I was angry. I was really angry. I worked so long and so hard. Sometimes I would work 100-hour weeks. I wouldn't get paid anything. I would, put my, I would work so hard into this, I'd literally get sick. I'd work in every ministry and do every event. How in the world did you not give me that? That's mine. I want that. What is, do you not see me? And I'm there in the Sunday. I'm actually sitting in a seat. And I'm listening to this girl preach. And she has an amazing message about how God used her. And I can't even think about anything of that. All I can think about is, I'm so angry because you took what was mine. You took what was mine. And then God spoke to me just very faintly, like, like a feeling. And he just asked me one question. 
why are you acting like my blessing for her is devaluing you? And I broke. Because I realized that I'm acting like that because she's on that stage, I'm now worthless? That's not the Bible that I read. Just because she was blessed does not mean that God doesn't care about me. In fact, I'm actually kind of glad now that he didn't bless me at that time because I still had some things to work on. I wanted to get on that stage so that I could be popular. And thank God he didn't give that to me because he would have stroked my ego so hard that I would not be ready for the next position, aka this one. He didn't give me what I wanted. He gave me what I needed. Sometimes God will bless your friends, not because he doesn't care about you. He's trying to see, will you actually love them even when they have what you want? Because, man, it's one thing to love your friends when you're better than them. It's another thing to love your friends when they technically have no right to be around you. Will you love people that have everything you want and are kind of snotty about it? Will you love that one person in the drive-thru that acts like that their order is the most important order in life and gets so angry at everyone? Because that's so hard to do. Will you love them? You were called to love them and your brother and the person that loves you. Called to love everybody. Luke 24, 24 through 27 says, then Jesus began to argue, uh, um, then they began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest. This is the disciples talking to Jesus. So Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But I among you will, uh, will make it different. Those who are great among you should take the lowest rank, and the leaders be like the servants. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? It is most definitely the one who sits at the table, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. You were not called to covet and to desire what someone else has. You're called to serve them. Golfside Church is not called to care about what every other church is doing in this town. We're called to love every person that walks through this door and every other church. Regardless if they're doing great or not, that doesn't matter. God isn't focused on you, focused on them. He's focused on you. If he has a problem with them, he'll deal with them, but he wants to deal with you right now. Will you allow that? Because oftentimes, at least for me, I get so focused on they have what I want and I feel like that they deserve punishment. And God's like, but you're so angry at something that doesn't even apply to you. Like, they, they're not even affecting you. They're nice to you. Like, why are you mad at them? God has called us for something greater, Golfside. God has called us for something greater. And will you allow that? If God gives your best friend the same thing that you've been praying for years, would you be okay? Because honestly, I I don't know. I mean, I want to say that I would be okay. I want to say that I do a good job. I love them just as much. But I mean, I've had, I mean, this story is a clear example that that's most definitely not true all the time. But sometimes God won't give us what we want because deep down inside, not getting us what we need. And a yes now, saying yes to you now, giving you what you want now is going to hurt your future. Sometimes not getting what you want now. A no now is a yes in the future. So will you allow that? Will you allow God to say, yeah, I know you want this. You know, I I, I know that it will be good for you. And don't worry, I have it for you in the future. But not now. Not now. You're not ready. And will will we be willing to hear that 
And not just to take it as, well, I definitely didn't hear from God. Can we take that as, I got work to do? Because that's going to be the biggest amount of maturity for all of us. Can we accept it when we don't get our way and realize that it's because God has something greater for us? There is more for us Golfside Church than just where we're at right now. I believe that God has something great for us in the next year or two. And it starts with us loving every single person the exact same way that God loves us, indefinitely. Doesn't mean that you can be happy about what they've done. It means that you should set up some guardrails, probably. Like, if they steal your money, don't give them your money. But you were never called to not love them. We were called to love everybody. So will you do that? Will you do that in your position? Will you love those that hurt you? And will you care about those that get exactly what you want? Who knows, maybe it's the test that God is just waiting for you, watching, seeing, can you be faithful even when nothing's going your way? Band, if you can come back up. So what am I trying to say here? Simple, poignant. God has not forgotten you, even if it feels like he has. God still cares about you, even if you're still waiting. And God wants to give you the blessing, even if you've been waiting for years and nothing's come about it. I mean, I, I don't know of any other story that exemplifies this better than Jerry and Lisa. I'm, they were an amazing Christian couple. They fell in love. They're awesome. Everyone loved them. And everyone knew that Jerry was going to be just a great father. I mean, he was not only, like, funny, but he was also loving and caring and compassionate. And, I mean, Lisa, she's the perfect example of a model. They were the power couple in church. And when they got married, everyone was excited. They knew they'd be the best parents. And they waited a year, and they decided, you know what, now's the time to have kids. So Lisa got off birth control, and uh, he stopped doing other things. And... Now, they, they start to spend as much time as possible having kids. And a month goes by, two months, three, four, six, nine months, a year, a year and a half, two years, nothing. And you know, Jerry wakes up in the morning, and have you ever had this moment where you may, you may love somebody and you can just feel their pain? Well, yeah, he woke up that morning and he felt Lisa's pain, and Lisa started to question. They, they knew that God called them for kids. They both knew it. They both felt it, and it's just not happening. And what do you do? Well, I know what Lisa did. She, without options, decided to get uh, hormonal implants. And hopefully, like, that would, like, start something. But what the doctors didn't tell her was that they would also have incredible mood swings, suicidal thoughts, and depression constantly. And one of the worst months, she would throw up every day, having the worst symptoms of pregnancy, not pregnant. And hopefully, like, the theory was, you know, I can deal with this for a bit as long as the kid comes. And the third year passes, and the fourth year passes. Five years of trying everything in their might, and nothing worked. And Lisa was so drained. And she came to a little church like this, maybe sat in a seat right there. And she didn't want to have anything of it. And crying through her tears, she's like, God, I know you called me to this, but like, I don't see it. And I've been praying and asking, and I'm just wondering where you're at, God. 
and I know you have something great for me, and I believe you, but I'm just trying. And as she does that, a little kid runs by her and falls down, and you know how like a kid like gets hurt, and they're trying to like hide it, but you know, you, you can tell that they're not. And her mom walks by. Her mom's name is Linda. And they strike up a conversation. And Linda, through conversation, says that she's expecting. And Lisa just felt this dark hole in herself. Not her. She already has one. Do you even care, God? She already has a kid. I've been praying and done everything and spent thousands of dollars. So she gets the courage and maybe in a little raspy voice because she doesn't want to show her emotion. She says, oh, how many months are you along? And she's like, she, Linda starts laughing. And Lisa is kind of taken aback, like, why are you laughing at my question? This means a lot to me. Just shut up. And Linda says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm adopting. Actually, my daughter right here, her name's Charlie. Yeah, she's adopted too. Me and my husband tried for years and years and just never worked. And then we felt like that God was calling us to adoption. And Linda just, Lisa just felt this move in her spirit. She felt like God say, this is it. Do it. She went home and told Jerry and Jerry was excited. And the funny thing is that if you told her six years beforehand, before she got married, so here's what's gonna happen, okay? You're gonna want a kid and I'm gonna tell you that you're gonna get a kid. And you're gonna try everything for six years and nothing's gonna happen. And then you're gonna get in the way that you don't expect. Well, she wouldn't believe it. God gave her the blessing that he said, just not in her time and not the way she expected. But because she was willing and able, God blessed her. And here's the best part about the story. She messed up. She probably wasn't supposed to take the hormonal implants. Like, like that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was adoption, but God is so loving. God is so caring that even if you mess up, if you walk for so long with God and you mess up once and you feel like it's the end, it's not. God is still there. You could be fighting for so long, so desperate, so seeking, like knowing that God has something for you and it's just not coming about and you mess up and now everything is in disarray. God is still there. He has not left you. And as long as I know that the Bible is true, which it is, he will never leave you as long as you want him. No matter what you do, if you ask, Lord, please come here right now, he will come there right now. No matter how far you go, he is there for you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. All that matters is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross so that your sins will be forgiven, so that no matter what you've done, you have something new. So maybe you're like Jerry and Lisa. You've been waiting for so long and you've tried and you messed up a bit. There is something still there for you. God has not left you, man. God has not left you. In fact, probably what's happening is that he loves you so much that he's not giving you what you want. But don't worry. It doesn't mean he's forgotten. He's still there. He's still waiting. And one day, you will get the blessing. It may not happen the way you expected. It may not happen in your timeline. But I can guarantee you this. Being a recipient of this job, I can tell you, this is not what I expected. I did not plan myself to get this job at this time and this place. But it is the best thing that God's ever done for me. Because it wasn't what I expected, but he still fulfilled the blessing. 
So will you do that? Will you do that today? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. And oftentimes, God, we're tired. We're tired. We've been fighting for so long, expecting of so much, and sometimes hope deferred just makes us sick. But Lord, I'm so reminded of your grace. I'm so reminded of your love and your mercy that no matter what we've done, you still care about us so much that you'll still be walking with us. When we call ourselves horrible, you say I am loved. When we call ourselves broken, you say I am mended. And no matter what we do, you will always be there for us as long as we accept that, oh God. So Lord, right now, no matter what is in every situation, if someone is broken today, mend them. If they don't know how they're going to make it through, give them peace. It doesn't matter what they've done, but Lord, I pray that you give them something special that when they walk out here, they do not leave the same, but they leave change. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. But Lord, I praise you for what you're about to do. Amen.